G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. One of the greatest Australian stories is being told afresh in a new book highlighting the life of the man known as Mr. Eternity. For 35 years, one man, Arthur Stace, moved around the streets of Sydney and sometimes further afield into country New South Wales and even venturing to Melbourne and his mission in life to write one word, eternity. He became something of a reluctant folk hero and for many years he remained very, very low-key until in 1956 he rose to fame And the name Arthur Stace became something of a household name. Well, there's a new biography of Arthur Stace about to be launched by author Roy Williams and Elizabeth Myers, whose parents were close friends of Arthur Stace. And Roy Williams joining us to talk through the latest book that he's written. Hello, Roy. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you very much for having me again, Neil. Well, Roy, what a national hero Arthur Stace is. Let's talk about something that people will be familiar with, uh, the idea of writing that word eternity in copper plate with yellow chalk on the streets of Sydney. For some people alive today, they can remember seeing that word eternity marked on the streets. Yes, indeed. Uh, Neil, we found uh, we found some, some new people who... Uh, who remembered seeing it as children in the 1950s and 60s around Sydney. Um, there's some great stories there, including some, some famous people. Uh, for example, the, the painter Martin Sharp, who was one of the people who sort of made the word eternity famous after Arthur's death in his paintings. Um, the actress Jackie Weaver is another. Uh, you know, there are many. There are many who saw it as children and were, and were terribly impressed by it at the time. And of course, we all who were watching the television at the turn of the century to the year 2000 remember the word eternity emblazoned on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. It became so, so famous. But there's inspiration that comes with that word eternity. And I wonder whether, Roy, share a few of your thoughts about what that word perhaps means to you as as it means something to especially Sydney-siders, but all Australians. Well, what it means to me, Neil, is is uh, what it meant to Arthur. I mean, for Arthur, it was a one-word sermon taken from Isaiah 57, the passage, verse 15, where God himself is described by the prophet as the one who inhabits eternity. And Arthur first heard this verse preached upon in 1932, the height of the Great Depression. He was already a Christian. He'd been converted in 1930. He went along to hear one of the greatest preachers of all time from Australia, Ridley, a Baptist, who preached on that verse, Echoes of Eternity was his theme, and that was the night that Arthur was fired up and started chalking the word on the pavement every day for the rest of his life. 
and it's estimated he did it about a mi- half a million times. And he had he quite a routine, didn't he? He did. He, uh, he used to get up before dawn every morning, pray, and then uh, go out into the streets of Sydney. He'd take himself to all different suburbs. By the end of his life, he'd, he'd covered the whole of Sydney. And as you said in your introduction, a fair part of uh, country New South Wales as well. I don't think he ever got to Brisbane, but uh, he, he did get to Melbourne. But just getting back to your point about what the message meant, um, for Arthur it was very much a Christian message. In other words, he wanted to remind people of their mortality and the fact that there's an eternity to face. That, that was often an expression he used. He wanted people to, to think about it. As Ridley had preached in that, in that sermon in 1932, to, to understand that that God, and in particular Jesus Christ, is in charge, in control of that eternity. But the word does have a broader secular meaning as well, and uh, its popularity is, enduring popularity, is probably due to the fact that it's a word that people over the years have been able to read lots of different things into, take their own message. Roy, it's been described as an incredibly Sydney story. And when you have Arthur, and just to recount a few of the uh, the things that are outstanding about him, growing up in a brothel, uh, coming back from war, shell-shocked. A bit of a, sorry to interrupt there, but <laughs> okay. that's actually a bit of a myth. Um, okay. There's a few myths about Arthur. One of them is that he grew up in a brothel. He, he didn't grow up in a brothel. It's true that his mother ultimately became a prostitute, as did two of his sisters. Um, but he didn't grow up in a brothel. He did later work for a brothel, it's true, as a, as a young man. He had a terrible life and, until the age of 45. He, uh, he was in this dysfunctional family of drunkards and uh, petty criminals. He himself was often in and out of jail. He, he fought in World War One, served as a stretcher bearer. He was a broken man in, in, until his conversion, but um, he didn't actually grow up in a brothel. But it's, it's amazing how many, how many little details we uncovered in the course of our researches that just differed slightly from the, um, from the myths that, that have developed. The, the real story is, is amazing enough. There's, there's, no need to, there's no need to embellish it. So you do address the myths of Arthur Stace, but given the, as you're describing, dysfunctional background, the idea of being an habitual criminal or an alcoholic, and uh, and then when we come back to this idea of an incredibly Sydney story, that he was reinvented to bring joy and meaning to people's lives. That's right. That's and he did. He did bring joy and meaning to people's lives. He, uh, after his own conversion, not only it's the Eternity Mission, uh, which touched, in the end, literally millions, and if you count the people who saw it on television uh, on New Year's Eve 1999, billions of people across the world. It is, just, it is a quite extraordinary uh, fulfilment of all the injunctions in the Bible about telling the nations. He was an inspiration to many when he lived. Uh, He he did a lot of other things apart from chalk eternity. He was a fantastic open-air evangelist, apparently. He used to park himself on the corner of George and Park Street in Sydney and every Saturday night and just talk to the crowd for 
for hours, and he had quite a following. Did a lot of charitable work, very, very humbly, because he, he knew the down and outs. He'd been one of them himself, and he he went to mental institutions. He went to alcoholic uh, homes. He went to a place called the Leper Lazarus, a leper hospital that doesn't exist anymore, but used to in Sydney. You know, he really lived it. He lived uh, a very humble very admirable Christian life. It's, it's, it's just an incredible story, an incredible true story of the type of Aussie battler, Aussie Christian battler who uh, doesn't really exist anymore. He's the sort of battler that we all really relate to, and you've captured something of his personality, you've captured his character in your new biography, and we'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. Uh, Roy Williams is our guest. He and Elizabeth Myers, whose parents were close friends of Arthur Stace, have collaborated in this new biography, and it is due for launch on the 23rd of November. We're back with more in just a few moments. We're taking a few minutes to unpack a new biography that is being launched this month. It's called Mr. Eternity, the story of Arthur Stace, and it's written by Roy Williams and Elizabeth Myers. At Roy, as we talk about this Aussie battler, a former drunk, a criminal who had an amazing encounter with God. With Arthur Stace, it really is this encounter with God, isn't it, that sparked something that caused him to devote his life to writing this word eternity all over the streets of Sydney. Yes, indeed, uh, Neil. He uh, he always claimed, and there's absolutely no reason to question it, that it happened in the course of one evening, Wednesday, 6th of August, 1930. Uh, a desperate, down-and-out drunk, the height of the Great Depression, uh, he went along to a um, a gospel talk at a church called St Barnabas in in Sydney, in inner Sydney, and he he heard one of the great preachers, uh, one of the other great preachers. I mentioned Ridley earlier, and this man uh, R B S Hammond was an Anglican minister, a great man in his time. Uh, Arthur went along. He always said for a cup of tea and a rock cake. He was that desperate. Before he could get that, he had to listen to a, a sermon. And he always said by the end of it, he had, he had a great conviction of, of his sinfulness and his desperation. He crossed over to a nearby park, stood under a fig tree, and said the prayer of the repentant publican, God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he was a changed man from, from that night onwards. Uh, gave up the grog. Uh, smartened himself up, got some jobs, joined a church, initially St Barnabas, later he became a Baptist, and uh, uh, got married some years later. Just completely turned himself around. And he always said the key to it was finding Christ and his life of prayer. He, he spent up to an hour, three times a day, praying. He said that was his secret. Roy, you address what are called the myths surrounding Arthur Stace. Another one yep. of those myths might be that he was illiterate. That's not true. No, it's not true. Uh, that's, that's been a prevalent myth, the idea that his ability to write this word in the beautiful copper plate uh, uh, handwriting was some, some kind of supernatural gift. Um, 
That isn't so. He he did go to school as as a boy. He was actually fostered out, we discovered, at the age of seven because his parents were so dysfunctional. And he spent seven years in Goulburn in uh, southwest New South Wales where he most likely went to primary school for, for some years. So he, d- he did get a very basic education and he could write, but by any standards he was not a well-educated man and... He himself was always amazed at how beautifully the word eternity came out because otherwise his handwriting was very, very ordinary. Uh, And yet this one word, every time he did it, just looked beautiful. And of course, so resonant. writing that word uh, up to 50 times in a session and taking two to five hour sessions and doing that every day was his real mission in life. But I wanted to ask you, Roy, Yep. Chalking was a popular way of getting messages across to people in those days. Yes. And oftentimes, uh, people with all sorts of uh, propaganda messages, kill the Jews, kill the commos, a couple of the quotes from the book, yes. some of those uh, like a, a less permanent form of graffiti, but chalking was the way people got their message across. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, Arthur kind of pioneered it. I- indeed, it's important to remember that... Um, Strictly speaking, what he did was illegal. It it wasn't, in fact, until 2014 that the New South Wales Parliament passed a law which said in words of one syllable that it's okay to use chalk on a public pavement or public footpath. Arthur was pulled up by the police about 20 times and he was always let off with a warding. He became a very loved figure in the end. But the idea of this graffiti in a non-permanent medium was really something he made famous. It would have been a very different matter if he'd used paint or something. You know, that would have been vandalism. But because he he had this genius idea, no doubt inspired by by God, to use chalk, he got he got away with it. Tell me about the input of Elizabeth Myers. Uh, yes. Her parents were close friends of Arthur Stace. Uh, she, no doubt, offered a lot of wonderful background for the biography. Uh, how did you find working with Elizabeth? Oh, I loved working with Elizabeth. She's extremely passionate because she knew Arthur herself. She met him when she was a girl of nine, and she was a young married woman when he, when he died. Uh, her parents were very close to him, and she saw the writing of this book as a sort of mission to bring about a book that her own father, when he was still alive, and he died in 1964, had always wanted to write. But unexpectedly, Lyle Thompson, her father, Baptist pastor, predeceased Arthur, even though he was a much younger man. And then the baton passed to Elizabeth's mother, who lived a long life, but she, uh, for whatever reason, wasn't able to get the book written either. Elizabeth has gathered an enormous amount of information, letters that Arthur wrote, memorabilia. She's got a, she's got his original New Testament, the one that the one that he carried around in his pocket. So he had this treasure trove of information to um, to draw upon, and, and I hope that that I've done justice to it in helping Elizabeth to um, to put it all down on paper. Well, you're an outstanding wordsmith, so uh, I would say, yes, you've done justice to a great story. 
Let me ask you too about the photographs because there's a lot of photographs that are included yes. in the book and uh, to pick up on just one of them, I noted there that there is a handwritten version of an Arthur Stace Eternity written on paper and I wondered whether there were many originals around of Eternity written by Arthur Stace uh, because undoubtedly they would be national treasures these days. Any thoughts on uh, on whether people have got uh, the word Eternity written by Arthur Stace uh, hidden around in the back cupboard somewhere? Look, it's not, Im- not impossible, Neil, but I, I, I doubt it. I doubt it very much because um, that one copy that we have was one given by Arthur to Mae Thompson, Elizabeth's mother, just before he died. He was once persuaded by a parishioner at uh, the Baptist Tabernacle where he worshipped to do one on cardboard in chalk, which is now in the National Museum of Australia. But after all these years, no one else has ever come out with such a document. It's possible one is out there. I mean, maybe maybe our book will will flush a few more out, but I I think they're extremely rare. The only other one we know of, apart from the two I've mentioned, is an is an eternity which survives in chalk that Arthur himself wrote inside the bell of the GPO clock tower in Martin Place. So they're the only three we know of. Okay. And it was in 1964 uh, he entered a nursing home in Hammondville. And, of course, Hammondville, named after uh, Robert Hammond, that you mentioned as one of the great preachers and uh, did a wonderful job uh, with uh, housing for the aged. And and so Arthur was a part of a Hammondville nursing home. That's right. There was a great symmetry involved in in his... uh, entering Hammondville. I actually went out there to interview a gentleman earlier this year who'd known Arthur, who himself was in Hammondville, and who died just a fortnight after I'd spoken to him. But he he had lovely memories of spending a whole afternoon with Arthur and his wife, Pearl, at their home in Piermont in Sydney. But uh, Hammondville really is a a whole suburb um, out in the west of Sydney near Liverpool. And the great uh, Hammond Care and Hammondville are just great legacies of a wonderful man. He was not only a great preacher, he was a great charity worker and a great, just a great Australian. He deserves to be better known than he is. Well, Roy, your book goes a long way to raising the profile of Arthur Stace. And I'll point listeners to getting their own copy. It's being launched on the 23rd of November. It's called Mr. Eternity, The Story of Arthur Stace. It's written by Roy Williams and with Elizabeth Myers, who was a close family friend of Arthur Stace. It's available at Koorong Books, and you can go to koorong.com to perhaps pre-order or order your copy of Mr. Eternity. Roy Williams, thanks so much for taking some time to share your heartbeat and your thoughts about Arthur Stace with us today on 2020. My pleasure, Neil. Thank you for having me. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.